All right, we're here. We're in. We're uh, ready to rock, <laughs> as they say. As they do say, in fact. We are ready to uh, rock, and if you're up for it, we can roll, indeed. We can. We can. And <laughs> I think you know how special this particular episode is. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Since we aren't in our, uh, our usual location of the PSU library study rooms. We are not. I don't even know where we are. I don't even know the name of this building, but I know it's the newest one on campus. Correct. So yeah. it is officially the Carl Miller Center. God bless you. You are so alert. You know that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I had a, I've had a class here once, and that's the only reason. Oh, actually, the only reason I really know what this place is is Tell when me. this place first got built i was in here just kind of hanging out yeah. and someone had a seizure in here no and way. i had to call 911 to get someone to come out and i told the the 911 operator at least a dozen times the carl miller center on the PSU campus, and they had no idea what right. I was talking There's about. There's no such building, sir. No, it's brand new. Like, I know it's here. I'm here. I'm in it. You know, I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I think there's a brewery on the sidewalk level. That's true. There's a, uh, a growler pub. Yeah. USA Growler. Because this is an academic building. Not that I have an opinion <laughs> one way or the other about the efficacy about that but where where booze is on a college campus yeah, yeah yeah i guess i have no opinion i mean it, i feel uh, as a college student booze should be readily available for any and all right <laughs> i mean if you want to if you want to go downstairs grab a, a a beer to go and then bring it up to so class steady with your nerves <laughs> yeah. just before a test but none of this discussion has anything to do with what i meant about how special this broadcast is or it's not a broadcast but you know, this episode, because... It's our 10th episode. Yeah! It's the big one zero. We've hit double digits. Exactly. I don't <laughs> think we necessarily believe that that would happen. Uh, I remember distinctly, uh, as we kind of started going through these episodes, we're like, if we hit 10... If we should hit 10. I mean, it's like the, a really a magic number. Yeah, we had no... We had no prediction that this would ever occur. In fact... <laughs> The fact that we're at 10 is a miracle between us both. It's, it's truly something that we all should uh, take a moment, moment of silence a moment to, of silence to appreciate. Yeah. awe of our, <laughs> at least of our diligence for sticking with it for so long. You know, I have, you've had several of your friends listen to these episodes. Mm -hmm. But I've only had one person, my friend Judy, listen to episode five. Which one was episode five? What was the topic well, on that Well, we talked about my aunt, or oh. my great aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. listened to a 40-year-old audio tape of her. I remember I was, talking about that, yeah. Yeah, and I was kind of in awe of all of that. But the takeaway that Judy had was, well, she may have had more than one, but the one that I remember, the one that seems to be relevant today is she made a comment about you. Oh, about me? Yeah. People were talking about me. Right. And what she <laughs> said was she thought you were the kind of person that was raised with respect. Now, I asked her. Okay, yeah. What do you mean by that? I respect that, that's for who? pretty vague. It is. Yeah. And her answer was general, too. And I think it kind of leads to something, because she said, 
he was raised with an understanding of the value of respect. Respect for who? Maybe everybody. Just I'm not general. sure. Just generally feeling a sense that everyone should be addressed with, um, I guess, some sort of respect. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can delve a lot deeper than that. I guess it means you listen to people. Maybe. I don't. See, there's a lot of... Respect can be taken so many different ways, and it's a very subjective characteristic of someone because you can respect a lot of things, but that won't mean much. It's really about what you're doing to do that. I don't. The only way I can unpack difficult. it, yeah. the only way I can unpack it at all, is to say something that I've learned because I've listened to every single one of these broadcasts. And I know this about you, I think it's true for me too, mm -hmm. but you listen to people. Right. I mean, it's a talk. conversation. <laughs> true. <laughs> but a lot of times people are falling all over themselves because they're thinking of their next clever rejoinder mm -hmm. and they're not really listening. You've had that experience, right? Where you have the sense that people aren't necessarily listening to you. They're waiting for you to stop talking so, so they, they can, can start. They've, they've already decided what they want to say to exactly. me before I've finished saying, yes. okay. And I don't hear you do that. I mean, I try not to. I mean, shout out to uh, my parents for not making me a conversational asshole. Well, that's what Judy's talking about. She yeah. thought you were raised in conditions of respect. And yeah, it is. It's a general term. But if there is one takeaway, <laughs> and it's a simple one, but you listen. You know what? Uh, for any of the ladies out there, I am single. So if you want someone to you, listen you to you. You need somebody who's got a good <laughs> ear. I mean, and he'll be sympathetic. I guess you would be. I mm -hmm. don't really know I, that. But. I try to be, so if I can't adhere to empathy, I will try to adhere to sympathy to the best of my own ability. Um, okay, unpack and I would, that. What do you, how are you making that distinction? Sympathy is, I know you're hurting, and so I feel bad for you. And empathy yeah. is, yeah, I get what you're saying. Exactly that. So okay. empathy is the idea that you have been through that situation before, so you know how they feel. Mm -hmm. Sympathy is that you haven't been through that situation, so you kind of give yourself your emotions to allow them to vent or grieve or in whatever way because you can't understand that feeling on that level because right. you haven't experienced it. So you've actually thought this out and have a plan to move forward if you meet either of those conditions, either one you understand or one you don't understand. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've had a very wide range of experiences that allows me to lend myself more to empathy. Um, yeah. But I mean, if obviously in my young life, I haven't experienced everything. So, no. you know, just trying to be nice to people as much as you can, that respect, sympathize with them. Because you don't have to fix them, but you just need to be there for someone, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not about can you uh, come up with a solution to my current issue right now because there isn't a solution to emotion. There's just dealing with it. 
Well, I, yeah, I guess, and I'm not sure that I necessarily am uh, as generous, perhaps, as you are <laughs> in these kinds of cases. I think that I am willing to listen to people, but maybe because of the age difference, uh, people that I encounter often are not in the position of needing necessarily to share their deepest emotions with someone, what, that they don't know that well. Right. You know, I mean, I have great conversations with people that I've known for a really long time, mm -hmm. but anything about empathy or uh, in some way sympathizing with them is decades past. I mean, okay. I just get them and I like them and I am there for them and it's automatic. It isn't that I have to uh, think about or say, you know, I gotta really pay attention here. Yeah. I gotta be empathetic. Do you believe that's because in your lifetime, I mean, not to call you old, but in your <laughs> oh, go ahead. 52 extra years of Yeah, life that's one thing that mind. I think it's kind of important to clarify. For any I, new listeners here. Right, and I know we haven't really done this on every broadcast, but <laughs> Aiden, as I understand it, is 20. You might be 21 by now. Nope. No, you're 20. 20. And I'm 72, so that's kind of amazing. <laughs> There's a huge age gap oh, here. Oh, man, and that's so crazy decades. <laughs> 50, you were 52 years old, almost near retirement when I was born. You must have been so cute, little kid. I... Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that is weird. It is weird, and now you are someone that I completely get, you know, cognitively. We're not mm -hmm. that different, and I don't... Well, are we off track? What were we talking Probably, about? I, do you think because of all your experience in your life that yeah. you've, you've been able to live through so much... There have been so many things that you have lived through, experienced, done, everything on such a wide variety of things. Do you think that lends itself to help you empathize with people? And that's why you can get people so quickly is because you've almost experienced most, if not all? Oh, dude, I don't think I've experienced all no that that's foremost. a stretch no man because i mean i'm just in this one body you know and uh everything is finite i mean i have a perception system that allows me to sense uh, inches away from my body maybe feet in sometimes mm -hmm. if i'm at a high altitude location maybe a mile or more but i have no way of comprehending much Everybody. about what's around me. I mean, right. even people. No, I think I have to struggle to this day to empathize with people. I mean, one thing that happens, I think, as you get older is you develop biases. Okay. I don't think one necessarily broadens out. Now, I think I've maintained a broad and a liberal worldview more than a lot of people mm -hmm. or at least your age yeah, right? yeah 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 well that's what i'm talking about okay yeah yeah i'm talking about people who are older i think a lot of them narrow down because their lives are filled mm -hmm. with disappointment and resentment okay and what can happen is you look for reasons for your own failures i'm talking about me here. okay you know i might look for the reasons 
for my own failures. And I realized it wasn't my fault at all. Someone else did it to me. Okay. What do you elaborate on that? Well, I'm just saying that, let's say, hypothetically, I didn't get a job I wanted or something. I didn't right. get a promotion. Now, yeah. this isn't really autobiographical. This is just um, <laughs> an example. Yeah. yeah. Where, but, I mean, in some sense, these things have happened to me where I look for a reason that things did not turn out the way I wanted them to. Right. And I don't blame myself. Okay. I find someone else to blame. And if you do that enough and if you do it without being sufficiently self-aware to know you're doing that, mm -hmm. then it becomes your worldview. And I think it's very easy for older people, you know, to hate whoever mm -hmm. because they, they say that that person or that kind of person ruined my life, maybe. So my understanding of what you're, what you're saying here is that depending on the path of life that you eventually go on to. And how you, you interpret that path right. too. Yeah. So that pinnacle turning point mm -hmm. where it's like I either did or did not get this thing. You narrow it down to someone else doing it to you instead of it being Someone a personal choice. else is at fault. Okay, so it, Let's say you're in a relationship, for example, right. and it breaks up. Yeah. And I have utter resentment mm -hmm. for that person because right. they ruined my life because uh -huh. they were really important and now they're gone. Right. But it's only because they're really bastards, right? <laughs> because not fuck them. Yeah, because not of anything I did. Well, man, if you, that, if you do not unpack the relationship, uh, any kind of relationship, if it's romantic or if it's professional, and at least open the door to the possibility that, that it could be your fault, that I yeah. am responsible. Right. If you don't do that, then you're going down the wrong pathway, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, because and, constantly blaming others and instead of trying to create a better you, you right. instead think, I'm perfect, it's everyone else around me yeah. that is the issue. And I mean, if you have a whole lifetime of that, then that's a real justification for hate. Yeah. And I think It that really that, festers in oh, you. Oh man, and I think that that happens to a lot of old people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a curse. I've strived, especially, I don't know, in the last at least 20 years. Yeah. And I see that that kind of thing can happen. Um, you try to change that. So you made the assumption that uh, older people are, are broader than that. I mean, maybe you were generalizing or maybe you were just talking about your impression of me. I'm not sure which. You were kind of saying, oh, as life goes on, you see so many different things and they make you a wiser person. And what I'm saying is maybe, mm -hmm. but sometimes not. Okay. Yeah. Because my, what I was trying to say at least was that in general or you specifically, yeah. that the more experiences you have, the more worldly you are the right. more understanding it's yeah. an understandable proposition but it's the way that you're saying it you know as someone with the actual experience yeah. of it all yeah yeah that the older you get the more narrow you become can easily be yes okay you have to fight that i have to fight that yeah and the way you fight the narrowing 
is by instead of blaming others for how your life is being shaped, yeah. instead, not necessarily blaming yourself, but identifying why this didn't happen because what you did. Right. Some, just understanding that sometimes my behavior contributed to a situation mm -hmm. that turned out to not be ideal for me. Right. Fascinating. I don't know. I mean, that, that gives me a lot to think about as someone who's as young as I am. Yeah. Um, and so, because I know in my, in my head there have been a lot of things that I've done where I resent people because of what they've done to me mm -hmm. without rationally thinking that like, maybe it is my fault. Maybe I did do something that in my perspective was okay, but in someone else's not, but resenting them for that anyways. Right, right. I mean, and I'm not gonna go into specifics here, <laughs> but I am yeah, gonna don't, say- Yeah, don't dig up different dirt. Right, right, without my attorney present. <laughs> But um, I know that sometimes when I'm lying in bed at night, I think back on my life and I'm kind of horrified at my behavior sometimes. Oh. And I think, where, where did that come from? What kind of um, worldview was I operating under that allowed me to be so insensitive in certain cases? Okay. That's a shame. Do you think that's more of like an era thing, a location thing? Like, why do you feel that you had that worldview well, in that time? Sometimes I think it has to do with perspective. Okay. I mean, sometimes um, I've valued myself a lot higher than I do now, meaning I think that I was more selfish okay. than I am now, that I kind of understand that a broader, more open and giving attitude works not just to the benefit of others, but to my benefit as well. Whereas okay. earlier in my life, when I was goal-oriented, all I could see sometimes was that goal and my desire to get there. And so I behaved selfishly. Okay. I would describe myself now as having behaved selfishly then, yeah. and I wouldn't do it now. I wouldn't okay. behave that way. When I was, I want to say like 16, 17, yeah. I got advice. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I got advice from people that I worked with who were 25, 26, up in the upper 20s. Yeah. And what they told me was that your young years, your years between 20 and 30, that decade okay. is your decade. Right. And so what they told me was that it's okay to be selfish in this time frame because that's where so much of your life is going to happen that huh. you need to be focused on you before anyone else so that way you don't set yourself up for failure in life. You know? Wow, can you give me an example of what you mean by that? I mean, selfish in what way? I, I, you know, being goal-oriented isn't yeah. a bad thing. Right, no, I guess what they're trying to tell me is that my focus 
in my life, my, my main goal, my drive, should be my own personal well-being and success. Okay. Because if I spend so much time worrying or focusing on how can you be better, how can I help you, how are you in this situation, then I'm no longer focusing on me. They're going ahead of me in life, and then I'm stuck down here. Right. You know? And unless, you know, the people that you help out are going to be those network connections later in life, that's a possibility. But if you aren't focusing on you, your goals, then eventually you'll run out of time to do them. You know, I almost think that advice is, is a little bit too narrow because the word that comes to mind for me is collaboration. Right. Where I, I think what I've learned, what I've found out over time is you were talking about networking, but mm-hmm. networking is a specific <laughs> behavior where you schmooze people, shake their hand, oh, and yeah. want to really be friendly because you know that they're a good number you could call if you ever need some help, right? Right. It's somebody who can do you a favor. Mm-hmm. But collaboration is deeper than that. Right. Collaboration kind of has the same result, though, because if, if you're giving in a certain way, not to take away from yourself, mm-hmm. and I mean, again, we're in hypothetical territory, so right. I could use my business, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this on a previous podcast or not, but working in television with photographers i used to think that the photographer had to do what i said right you were top dog i'm top top dog yeah Yeah. and uh, as time went on and we'd be in the edit room and they'd have very definite opinions about how the story should go but Mm -hmm. i'd written the script it's totally up to me yeah and they would give me um input about how things should be changed or how it should go and I was pretty arrogant and I thought, oh, I don't have to listen to this. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, I realized that the more I didn't put up a barrier and maybe we'd try it both ways and then finally come to some conclusion that really had to do with how it worked for other people, not just for me and for this other person. Well, then you develop a, a certain kind of trust. Okay. And in doing so, um, it goes, it radiates beyond the edit room. It, it becomes friendship, it, it, it becomes connections that end up being supportive in ways throughout your whole life. Now, in a different profession, if you're in politics or something like that, if you try to collaborate, I'm thinking that the same result occurs where um, trust builds, uh, empathy goes along for the ride, yeah. and one begins to think of other people as friends, people you can rely on. It becomes a foundation for a life in a way uh, that's broader than just being out for yourself for your first yeah. Uh, for for your 20s and into your 30s yeah somehow i feel like the the philosophy of collaboration that you're kind of talking about requires that you and whoever you quote unquote collaborate with have similar goals right yes true yeah so that's still kind of looking after yourself because 
It is. You, you, you it still is. are benefiting yourself yes. in its entirety. Absolutely. But someone who has a very similar goal where you both can benefit from doing that, I feel like that's a little different. That's more of a teamwork thing than a selfishness thing. Uh, maybe. I, I would say more, but I guess I see where you're going with that. Yeah, I mean, it's... I guess the advice that I got was... Yeah, give me an example. Uh, could you, of, of a case where selfishness would work better, collaboration is not an option? I don't think in any circumstance collaboration wouldn't be an option because yeah. we're, we're defining collaboration as something where both people benefit from it. And so there's no reason to collaborate unless you benefit. But it, it's... It's kind of one of those things where you go off and do something for someone else that holds no benefit to you. You mean a Mother Teresa type of thing? I mean, volunteering you can kind of... Yeah, you, you, you can you accrue can, a spiritual yeah, benefit. Yeah, so. there's benefit to that. But focusing so hard on others in this time where you need to be focusing on yourself, kind of... Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of losing myself in my own philosophy here. And the, own, the advice that I got four years ago, because I personally don't believe that I've been following that at all. My, the, the advice that I got from people far older than me at that time, yeah. I haven't cared about it. Well, I mean, see, it's, uh, I mean, we're, we're really getting to mushy, getting in the weeds here, mushy yeah. territory because... What, I have a limited life experience, just like I was saying. And limited? Then, uh, 72 years? Well, I mean, <laughs> but I was in the same uh, career path for most of it. So when okay. I think about collaboration, yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily uh, have to be with a photographer. It can be with someone in management or mm -hmm. uh, let's say that I had ended up being a disc jockey back in the day, you know, on the radio. Um, I read newsletters today um, talking about the philosophy of managing a radio station. And what seems to always come up is don't be an asshole. Don't just be out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Understand that you can, if you're a disc jockey, you can work with the sales department. You can try to help them sell the product of the radio station. Instead of just saying, well, you guys are peons, I don't care about you because you're not in the entertainment industry, I am. And I just don't care about that. Well, that's not an uncommon mindset because right. a person has an ego and they say, by God, I really am good on the radio and I don't have time to deal with to someone worry. who can't be on the who radio. Who can't do it. You're just yeah, not yeah. interesting enough. That kind of thing. What? Okay, let's take that philosophy. That, Which one? Even the one that, the one the that you just said. The narrower, egocentric. Yeah. Uh, not the egocentric one, though. Don't be an asshole one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As it okay. refers to disc jockeys sure. or anything like that. All right, sure. Let's replace disc jockey with people. Right. Yeah. Let's let's generalize it. All right. Absolutely. I feel like that's a, a very effective philosophy that we all should adhere to. You well, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's so, what I'm trying to say. Even right. I don't. I, I can't tell you because of my experience. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I think I'm starting to piece it together little by little mm -hmm. that 
Just don't be an asshole. <laughs> really, it was a beautiful moment. We had the insight. I don't know how it came, but it only took us a half an hour to figure yeah, out to not be an asshole. That the meaning of life is to not be an asshole. <laughs> but it's seemingly true. It, that's what. Guess what? I, that's what I'm saying, really. And it, it it hurts to know that a lot of people don't adhere to oh, that. Oh, they don't. And it's no. Oh, you're it's right. So it's so easy just to not suck, you know? It's so simple, it's such a, it's not complex. I feel like many times it's far more complex to be an asshole than it is to just be nice, to have respect, you know? Well, I mean, but of course in the moment, one's not extrapolating the ramifications of being an asshole, they're just being an asshole because they're Pissed, for example. They got mad at someone. Mm. They cuss them out, maybe punch them in the face, whatever they do. Uh, and maybe they just, you know, badmouth them at work. Right? And it's also who the asshole is requires subjectivity. Right? Uh, to some extent. but Because again, there's definitely perspective on this. Yeah. But I think you and I both know what we're talking about. I mean, generally, uh, in the scheme of things, mm -hmm. most people would agree that they can identify an asshole. And I would guess mm -hmm. that most of the time I'd agree with them, that that right. person is an asshole. Somebody uh, who, the moment the light changes mm -hmm. in traffic, you honk. Already on it, yeah. Yeah, see, I'm tempted, however, to do that sometimes because I'm frustrated. I don't like being in the traffic and I want to somehow release the tension in my own body by hitting that horn. By giving it to someone else. Yeah, but you thing. are giving it to somebody else when you do that. You are mm -hmm. kind of contributing to the deterioration of the community. You know, that's, it's, it's interesting. Now that I'm thinking about it, frustration and being an asshole is almost like a disease, like a communicable, oh, communicable it, think, disease. Yeah, and I think right? it can go deeper and deeper into a person as oh, time yeah. goes on, yeah. So the way that I'm seeing it right now, or maybe it's like a finite feeling in life, you know? So Meaning. if... You're an asshole, right? All right. For whatever reason. Yeah. And you do an asshole thing to someone else. Sure. Right? You are releasing your tension and then pushing that tension or whatever else to that person that you've yes. been an you, asshole you know, to, because right? I don't want to feel tense, so mm -hmm. I give it to you by yelling. It's like, yeah. you know, kicking the dog when you come home from mm -hmm. work, right? right? It's that. It's that. And so now... I feel less, but now you have that tension now. Right. I've given you my feelings, and that's, that's the end of it. Yes. You now have it. You're the asshole now. Well, I mean, unless that person is really mindful and mm -hmm. recognizes how that exchange took place right. and processes it differently, because that's the thing. You do have a choice, and one of the advantages of aging Actually, there are a number of them that apply here. One is you do learn techniques or can mm -hmm. learn techniques to tolerate stress. 
Okay. Without pushing it out on someone else, right? Okay, yeah. And the other thing is you can see what happens to people who never learned that little trick, who simply projected their, their own anxiety, their own unhappiness, their own tension mm -hmm. onto everyone around them. Well, they start being targets or they get cut out of the system because nobody wants to deal with them because all they're bringing to the table is negativity is crap right yeah. but wasn't wouldn't that in and of itself say you phase them out or they're constantly getting crap because they're given crap um doesn't that just create this endless cycle of being an asshole well for, for them right so yeah, but I mean that's 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 what that's what I think you are going to end up avoiding in life. But yeah. what's your point in there? I mean, isn't that obvious that some people who are assholes end up being assholes very unhappy? Life? Yeah, unhappy. That doesn't surprise you, does it? No, but okay. I think if we're able to identify it, you know, if we're able to see this person is a total dick, right? Right. And if we have to deal with them on a daily basis for whatever reason, what's, what is causing it? Is it because they're an asshole and now they've been phased out, so all they get is this constant cycle of being an asshole, and that's all they got? Yeah, so if I mean, we can, a... as someone like yourself who has gathered years of data, if you mm -hmm. will, years sure, of sure. research on no, yeah. the human condition, yeah. then you can empathize with that because you know in your life you've obviously been an asshole you've dealt with assholes right. and so you can empathize with this now and then bring them back in into the unbroken circle of trust and wholesomeness wow uh, see now that's where forgive me for this I apologize but that's showing your youth in my yeah, jaded yeah. opinion <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> <clears throat> because I think I'm young I, and innocent yeah well I'm not saying that there's a point of no return necessarily yeah. uh -huh. I think maybe you know you remember the story of Charles Dickens Christmas Carol where yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by the ghosts of right. Christmas past and stuff and he changes into this generous giving man mm -hmm. I mean that's presented as a miracle of Christmas yeah. and it's a beautiful story right I think yeah. but in real life I think that that doesn't happen very often partly I don't know because how often... no ghosts show up <laughs> to help you yeah all the ghosts we've encountered haven't been a uh, super helpful in our lives <laughs> no no I mean it's uh, and plus I mean part of it has to do with psychology right you know what happens if a person is traumatized as a child mm. and never really gets any help. All that happened to them is they imprinted certain behavior patterns that they learned from their abusive parents. So they go out into the world and what do they do? They reference their past and they behave in the same way that their parents did. So they abuse their children in some way. Slap them around, say, or yell at them all the time, and never give them any support at all. Well, then it's 
a self-reifying kind of circumstance that can go on from generation to generation to generation, there's nothing that I can see necessarily that would break that cycle, really, because there rarely are ghosts on Christmas Eve yeah. saving you from Do you that. think this is like a too-far-gone scenario? Where can be, yeah. I remember us having a conversation about your family. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to not talk about this, by all means. No, um, I'll talk about it. So I know what you've told me that your parents were similar to this. And yeah, they were alcoholic, yeah. And your brother is the one that really adhered to that path. Seemingly, yes. Yeah. And you're, you, luckily enough, were able to deviate from that and be who you are today. Yeah, from tons of psychotherapy. I don't know why <laughs> I had the insight. I really could see what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I knew that. Right. But uh, looking back, I think, whoa, that was just in time, man. So the differences between your, you and your brother, mm -hmm. why, what do you think was the pivotal point that led so you kind of self-realized that this isn't good and I need help and your brother thinking this is what life is and I'm going to continue that. Yeah. What, where do you think, in, and I know you can't really speak for your brother, but kind of inferring in some way in your life, where was that decision made? You know, I, I gotta applaud the question but I don't think I can answer. I think that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. And I've had this discussion with people. Right. And I have to be honest, I have given them an answer, but it's so personal that I, I just don't think I, I can elaborate on it when there are people listening uh, who could be hurt by that. That's but, that's fair. Yeah, but... There's a certain culture of respect in that. Well, say more, because you're our <laughs> expert on respect, man. Clearly. Um, so, kind of what I had said, you know, you can't speak for your brother, so you aren't yeah. answering the question, despite, thank you for thinking that it's a good question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because you're afraid of the people that can't speak for themselves can't or will be offended in some way or that someone could be hurt by your hurt. answer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you're doing is that you're empathizing once mm -hmm. again, because I feel like in your years you've experienced something where someone has spoken on your behalf or said something that ultimately came back to you and hurt you in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so now what you have done is that you have created this bubble, this data point of I'm not going to speak on anybody's behalf for anybody for any reason right. because I know from these past experiences that clearly nothing good ever comes out of it. Right, right, right. It, it, it comes down to honoring, I think, one, my own frailty mm -hmm. or my potential lack of insight in yeah. very heavy kinds of situations like this one, mm -hmm. or I literally kind of have to say, well, you know, I have opinions, but, but I, can't. I don't know. Yeah. There's an answer, but I don't know it. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, kind of. 
Yeah. Interesting. Wow, that's uh, so. I guess really to sum it all up, in the end, don't be an asshole. Overall. That's that's a good plan. Yeah. That's, that's a good strategy. Avoid out assholeism do as you, much as you can. Do you think it takes 72 years to learn that? Well, I mean, I yeah, it did for me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, er, look, uh, I think it's possible probably unless something like dementia comes in and one starts to lose cognition. Right. I think one... And that's one of the joys of staying alive, I think, is mm -hmm. that you increasingly understand yourself and, by extension, the world, really. Okay. Yeah. So you empathize more with the world as you... Empathize, empathize more with the world and with myself, kind of. Okay. Start saying, oh, that's why you react like that. Okay. That's why those certain things make you mad. Okay, elaborate on that. Okay, um, I have had a memory since I was a really little kid of um, playing in the sand at the beach. Okay. And in this image, there's what looks like a very tall building, probably a hotel mm -hmm. of some sort. And I'm digging in the sand with a shovel and a pail, and my mom is sitting there reading a book. Right. But the overall feeling, and this would come back to me all the time, and I'd wonder, why am I seeing this image? I feel stressed in this image, and I realize the really significant thing about the image is, even though my mom's there, I'm all alone, and the irony is, I know I'm at the beach because of the sand and the pale, right. but I never see the ocean. And I think that it is an unbelievably graphic image of isolation. Wow. And You just don't see the horizon. I'm not given any experience. I'm told to be on my own and be happy mm -hmm. because I say stuff to my mom. Yeah. She looks up from the book. She says words I really can't hear. Yeah. And I think she's just saying, in effect, go back to playing. I'm busy and I do not want to deal with you. Well, the sense of emptiness mm -hmm. that comes from that is extraordinarily powerful and it's only in recent months, actually, oh, wow. that that dream has brought to mind, uh, and it's not a dream, it's really a memory, yeah. um, the significance of what it means to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, just that horror, yeah. horror of isolation. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of, oh, what's the, what's the term I'm thinking of? It's... I'm there, but not present, kind of thing. Well, I mean, I, I'm not an emotionally whole individual right. if I'm not, <laughs> if I'm being told to play a role like the good little boy, mm -hmm. right? But not have the joy of, being of the experience of being at the beach, running around, looking at seagulls, mm -hmm. I mean, finding rocks or shells. Yeah. And, uh, 
coastline, none of that. See, uh, but I had to pretend it was great. Right. So those kinds of things psychologically might answer your other question of why someone's an asshole. Because that emptiness that they feel yeah. might somehow permeate their behavior uh-huh. for decades and decades and they never have the insight. They may have that memory mm-hmm. like I have about digging in the sand, right? but they never have the blessing of the insight to interpret that dream in a way that tells, in my case, me that I was isolated and unloved. I feel like coming out of this and the path where you and your brother split, right? Mm -hmm. Um, At least in attitude, is the ability to self-realize. Yeah. So it sounds like your brother had all these issues and all these pent up emotions, but never, never did anything with them. He just let them run his life. While you, on the other hand, at some point looked back on these and realized that there's emotion in these memories. There's things that need to be changed. There's issues. There's problems. Yeah, there were. I did have that insight. You're absolutely right about that part, for sure. And then that's where you deviate from him. That might be the case, yes. Could be. All right. You know, we never... I don't think we said the name of the... The, the podcast at the beginning, <laughs> did we? So let's do it at the end. Right. This, this is has been episode 10. Of Inherently Human. I'm Aiden DeBoard. My name's Jim Newman. And we hope to see you next time. This was a, a good 10th episode. Thank <laughs> you for uh, sticking it out with us all this time. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs>